So, um, what is the time? It's, I want to make sure everybody's stomach is, is 11 o'clock. So, okay, well, there we go. So, um, this, is an, this, is, this series that I've been doing on Resurrection Life is, is such a phenomenal series. And, and I, God's been, as I said, I've been on a journey with this for a, a little while, for a few months. I was looking back in my prayer journal to about March and April, and things were stirring before that as well. And so, there's, there's so many pieces to this that, that I, I want to be careful not to try and squish too much into it. Uh, but you know that I'm going on vacation this week. I don't know how many of you know that. Yeah. I'm, even, I'm, in, I'm even bringing my wife with me. <laughs> no, Corin. <laughs> Corin and I are going on, on vacation. And, but don't worry, we've got, we've got really... Every time we go on vacation like this, whenever we get back, people tell us, church was so good when you weren't here. I was like, awesome. <laughs> so I'll just stay away longer next time. <laughs> no, no. But... Um, this, this series is really, is really powerful. So, you know, um, I, as, as we've, we've been saying, there's this scripture that, that we've, we've mentioned so many times before in Mark 4.24, it says, in the Amplified, it says, He said to them, be careful what you are hearing. The measure of thought and study that you give to the truth you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you and more besides will be given to you who hear. I'm going to say it again, Mark 4:24 in the Amplified, because he says, it's so, it's, he says, be careful what you are hearing. The measure of thought and study that you give to the words you hear is, is how much you're going to be able to extract from it. There it is. Will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you and more. You know, if, you know, so one thing that we, we've got to be real tender with is with Scripture. And, and, and I built on that foundation where we said, you know, God's, God has exalted His Word above His name. His Word is powerful. His Word can revolutionize, his, revolutionize our lives. We see that His words, He says His words are spirit and are life. There are, his words are spirit and life. And, and so as we've unpacked this, one thing I, I want to do is for us to connect to this life. Because we see Paul, Paul writes to, um, uh, to Timothy in, in chapters, 1 Timothy 6.12. And he says, fight the good fight of faith and take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. Um, he, he, Paul wanted Timothy. He didn't say, listen, I want you to be back born again. And, and I'm, I, can't re, I can't rebuild the whole of the, the series. So if this is part six in the series. And so I want to encourage you, um, if the Lord, if, if as you incline your heart to hear what the Lord's saying, I want you to unpack it. Go back and put some thoughts, intention, and study into what you're hearing. Write down the scriptures. Thank God for today where you can actually download a podcast and you can press pause and you can write down the scripture. That is not useless. I want you, you know, sitting here in a message, as you hear me say so often, sitting here on a Sunday and you think, well, I've heard that message before. I'm telling you, you haven't. You haven't extracted what God has for you in one single thing. And so you, you, all that you can do is you can say, okay, God, help me to incline my heart to hear what you're saying to me. Because the amount of virtue and knowledge that God has is, revolution, is revolutionary for your life. And if you lay hold of this life to take hold of this eternal life that he gives you. And as, you, as I've said before, this is not about going to heaven one day. That is just a benefit. A benefit for laying hold of God's life is that, yes, you're going to go to heaven one day. 
But that's just the benefit. It's not the point. It's not the purpose. It is part of an end game for this age, but the Bible even talks about ages to come, and laying hold of life has got so many more things available to you, so many, so many more benefits. So um, I, I just want to encourage you uh, with, with this series, if, if I don't get it all out uh, today or finish getting at least painting sort of a general picture, I will carry on when, we, when I get back. But, but you know, this, this hearing, hearing anything, if you're, if you're new here to the church, you are so welcome and, and you relax. But when you're building on, on, you know, when we're building from week to week in a, in a series like this, understand always we're on a firm foundation of the foundations of faith. We've said that so often. We had some words a few weeks ago as well. The foundation determines how high and how strong you can grow. You, we, are, we are told in, in Ephesians chapter 3 to be rooted and grounded in love. And so when we do our grow course, if you do D group and you do our grow course, you'll see that we talk about the foundations of faith a lot. And, and there's key factors that we are grounded on. And so I assume, and I, and I, and I know it incorrectly, because not everybody in a meeting room will be grounded in those foundations. But I want you, who, who, if you've got fresh ears and this is new to you, I want you to understand that, that God always speaks a language of love. He always, because God is love and he speaks a language of love and his intention for you is love. You know, we, we think that we, we so quickly disqualify ourselves because we don't see ourselves as righteous. We see ourselves, we, see, we look at our own track record. We each have a track record. Our track record speaks so loudly that we believe our track record before we believe the Word of God. God has an opinion of you, but you have a track record. And you see how many times you look back at your track record and you see how many times you've fallen or you've fallen again or you've fallen again and you've fallen again. So you look at your track record and you say, but I can't. You look at your track record. But, but if you're grounded... In faith righteousness, you know that we do not stand in our own righteousness. We stand in His righteousness, right? And so those, that, that is an essential truth. And, and that, that, I mean, even, even in the Old Testament, God hasn't changed. Do you know that? People think God changed. They think He had a personality disorder and it changed at the cross. God did not change from the Old Testament to the New. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His character has always been the same. The only thing that changed was the covenants. The covenants changed, and how God dealt with man for a certain period of time changed, which is, a, is that other study that we've gone into. But God himself has never changed. You know, the God, we, we, you know, Abraham had moral issues. Moses killed an Egyptian. David murdered people, murdered, had Uriah killed and committed adultery. You can go through the, the, the heroes of Hebrews 11, and each one of them were not morally perfect people. And that's good to know. We're in good company. You know, so, so don't, you don't have to put on a face that you don't have it together. But you know what each one of them did have is they knew a good God, and they connected to a good God, and they connected to the covenant that they had. And so, and that's what we do in the New Testament. We get to connect to this God. And so last week, um, where I ended off was, was talking about the union that we have in God. And that's a mind-blowing concept, right? That we have been introduced into union, that, that, that the union that we have with Christ, that we have become one spirit with Him. 
And I read those scriptures and I just don't have time to go back into them. But we have literally become one spirit with them. In John 17, it talks about it and in other scriptures that I gave. And so please go back and understand. But, but understanding that we have become one with Christ. In Ephesians, it says that, that just as a man shall leave his, uh, his mother and father and be united with his wife and they two shall become one flesh, it says. And then he says, this is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. That they shall become one. And, and, and we could literally make a series on that alone. And, and that, could, that could revolutionize our life. Just, just the fact that we have been made one in Christ. But as we've, we've unpacked this part, the, these are inseparable truths. The fact that our, our union with Christ and laying hold of this life. Because, because you and I, as I said, we, we look at our track record. And our track record is the one... Um, the, the, the reason that we struggle with transformation, and I, and I mean just talking th- frankly, right? We look at our lives. We, if, we, if we have lack in our lives, if, we are, if any sort of lack in our lives, it's because we have not been able to lay hold of the life which is ours. We have been given the life, as we've said in Ephesians 1, and I've unpacked those, that, this, that the spirit of wisdom and revelation was Paul's prayer put to the Ephesians, that the the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that we would get to know what is the hope of his calling, right? And we would get to know what his inheritance is in in the saints, and incomparably great power for him that believe that he was raised from the dead. The revelation of these things is what changes us. And um, we're going to touch a little bit on that, but I'm going to uh, go to Romans chapter 6. I'm just going to check out my time over here. Romans chapter 6, in verse uh, in verse 1 through 11, it's a, such a powerful passage of Scripture. Um, and he starts off in verse 1 and he says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can he who, uh, we who died to sin still live in it? Grace often has that accusation that, man, are you saying that you, it's okay to live in sin? No, by no means. We all agree. God has never said it's okay to live in sin. Sin is destructive. Sin will bring destruction into your life. That's never been the case. But grace is so scandalous and so amazing, and God has got so relentless in his pursuit of his grace for us. Sometimes it seems like that way, and we confuse grace and mercy, and we don't understand the difference. Grace is actually the power God gives us the freely to live and to come out of sin. But that's not our message. That's another one of the foundations. <laughs> okay, so he says, no, no, let's move on. He says, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? Yeah. Now, I was talking in the beginning of the series about this. Baptized into his death. He says in verse 4, we were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we've touched on that word, by the glory of the Father, we too may walk in newness of life. Yes. Okay. So, so here we're going to start unpacking a couple of things. Then, then in verse, uh, well, let me just read this whole passage and then I'll come back a little bit. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we who may no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. 
um, uh, for the death he died, he died to sin once and for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also consider yourselves or reckon yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. Okay, so now this is a powerful passage, and I will try and briefly sort of just extract a couple of things so we can move on. I, I wish I could do this justice. But in verse 5, he says that if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like this. This is mentioned in a few other parts of the Bible. In Philippians 3, verse 21, it says, He will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious bodies, body. And in verse 10 of that chapter, Philippians 3, it says that I may know him, the power of his resurrection, and may share in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain resurrection from the dead. Now, I'm, I'm, I, I'm going to move along, and I have got a lot more to say in this, but, but the, then he says this in verse 6, we know that our old self Literally, the old man, if you go and look up that word, the old man, he says, um, I'm just going to, sorry, I'm, thank you. Yes, I'm back in Romans. I'm back in Romans. I'm, uh, this is my master passage over here. So I'm, I'm Romans chapter 6, verse 6. We know that our old self, he says, was crucified with him. Say with me, in order that the body of sin may be brought to nothing. The body of sin might be brought to nothing, so we would no longer be too enslaved to sin. How many of you like the idea of never being enslaved to sin? Yeah. Right? We, 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 so there are secrets here, and I say secrets not because they're hidden, because we just have to have open hearts to see it. That's what the spirit of wisdom and revelation is about. He says, now if we have been united with him in a death like him, with, with his... Sorry, I'm trying to get the right words out of my mouth. If we've been united with him in a, uh, in a death like, or like his, we will be united with him in a resurrection like his. And so we see this piece that if I can... You remember what I finished off last week was saying, there is a union with me in Christ, you in Christ. If you are born again and receive Jesus, you have become one with him. And so back to verse 6 over here, I'm going to say it again. He says, we know that our old man, you have an old man. He's not your father. He's like, he's not your dad. You have an old man. You, it's important to realize our old man was, plus tense, crucified with him. Okay. In order that the body of sin may, not, may be brought to nothing and we can no longer be enslaved to sin. I'm going to jump into verse 7 of that passage. He says, For one who has died has been set free from sin. And like you've said, many of us, we want, to be, we want to be there. And then in verse 8, Now if we have died with Christ, which is, which is a participation by choice, we believe that we will also live with Him. Um, then he goes on to, to talk about these for the death he died, he died to sin once for all. I'm just jumping to verse 10. And then I'm going to go to, to verse 14. For the, uh, sorry, no, not verse 14, verse 11. Sorry, Rochelle. Consider yourselves or reckon yourselves dead to sin and alive. That's an accounting term. Account for yourself. 
like you do your reconciliation statement or your bank reconciliation, you've got to consider yourself. There's a word, legitimize. It's to consider yourself to, when I, it's not, it's to actually count myself as something. It's not just to, to pretend something. It's actually like if you do your numbers on your bank account and you come to, you, you are reconciling your statement. That is exactly how much you have in your account. You have got to actually logically come to the conclusion that you are dead to sin. But you see what we do is we stop believing the word of God and say, no, right there in our hearts, that's my track record. I will look at my track record and I see my faults, my failure, where I've disappointed others, where I've disappointed myself, everything that we have believed about ourselves it comes back into our identity and so we're trying to we, we, how how do we how do we take hold of this new man of course you know second corinthians 5 so very well and i and and i'm gonna you know, this passage in well this verse in second corinthians 5 17 therefore if anyone is in christ he is a new creation the old has passed away. Behold, the, it says, behold, the new has come. Okay. That is probably one of the least believed scriptures in the New Testament. Amen. Because that is making an emphatic statement. When you come to Christ, you are a new creature. The old has gone. Okay, and some of you have heard these passages for years. So remember, just, just close your eyes and just say, Holy Spirit, I open up my heart to hear what you're saying. Thank you, Lord, for teaching me, because that will always happen. So, so he goes on to speak about the ministry of reconciliation in verse um, 18. And, and so the word reconciling and reconciliation, I've taught this many times before, he's mentioned something, but really the word, the word reconciliation is better interpreted exchange is reconciled. It's the word katalaso in Greek. It means literally to be exchanged. And it finishes off in verse 21, verse, verse 21 of 2 Corinthians 5. It says, God made him who had no sin to become sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. So we literally become the righteousness of God and Jesus took the sin and the punishment for our sin on the cross. That is the end of this verse. And then he talks about the process in, in verse 15. He says, all, I think it's, sorry, in verse 18. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled himself, us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation or exchange. That in Christ, God was exchanging the world to himself. I'm just going to start using the word, word for the sake. Um, not, uh, not counting men, their trespasses against them. Praise God. And entrusting to us the ministry of exchange. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be exchanged to God. Okay. Isn't that powerful? Okay. So, oh, I, I have so many exciting scriptures that I want to get to. I'm going to have to skip some of them, though. Um, but in, in Philemon, there's this, there's this scripture over here. Um, in Philemon... Chapter 1 and verse 6. It's Philemon is not a common book. Maybe your pages stick together around the book of Philemon. But, but Philemon, is, Philemon has this a very 
a powerful scripture in verse 6. He says, I pray that the sharing of your faith, I'm reading ESV first, and then I'm going to go to King James, and I, I have it in a weast as well. Um, I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. And in, in the King James Version, I like King James, it says it, it says it, he says that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing that is in you in Christ Jesus. That is powerful. Do we have that in King James, Rochelle? Um, sorry, we had a printer issue this morning, so we were, we're just doing these a little bit uh, on, the, on the fly. Yeah. But... Um, while, while Rochelle's pulling that one up, in, in, in 2 Peter, oh, you've got it already. Uh, there you go. Um, second, where, you got Philemon 1.6? Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, Philemon 1.6, that's great. But the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ. That is powerful. Um, the, the, this word um, acknowledging there is that word that I've been talking about a few times, epignosis. Gnosis is a personal, uh, personal it's not just information. There is a Greek word called weida, or to know something, I know something. But then there's gnosis, which is to have practical experience of something. But this word is epignosis. It's to have a very complete, intimate understanding of a topic, Right? And so he's, he says that, that, we're, we're, that, that there is an intimate, there's an intimate way that we embrace God in this information. And so I'm going to go back to the, the front part of that. He says again that the communication, that word communication is actually the word koinonia. Heard that one before? The fellowship of your faith. There's the word fellowship comes in, and I, t and I pray after today, you never see the word fellowship the same. Because fellowship is powerful. Koinonia is powerful. We get to fellowship with our by faith in who Jesus is. We share with, in fellowship with what God is. It's, a, there, it's, it's so much more than just going to the cafe and eating food together. That is not what fellowship is. We call it fellowship hall, and we're going to have some fellowship. No, it's when, when you have, when you, when you are identifying with, with what Jesus gave us, we, are, we actually, the word communion, as we've said, the, is the word koinonia. Right. You, are, you, are, you are participating in an exchange. You are participating in fellowship. Yes. What is God's, what Jesus earned on the cross is yours. What you, are, what you are actually being able to lay hold of. So, so in, you've seen this in 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1, um, and verse 2 says, May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God. Yeah. You see, now there's that same word. That word knowledge there is the same word, epignosis. It's not just... It's not just information, one. It's not even just intimate information. It's a thorough and complete detailed information. Yes, yes. That's what that word is. It's a powerful word. In fact, if you're a blue-letter Bible study person, pick up that word, go and look at it, go and look at all the verses where you see it. And it's very revealing. When the, when it says through a thorough and well informa uh, information, intimate information. Now, I can't understand this. Me, anybody speaking to you, I can't give you intimate information any more than I can bring Corin up and tell you about my intimate time with Corin. That would be weird, right? 
Yes, especially in church. I mean, some other people put it online. But it's like, I'm just saying, it's like, or Facebook or whatever. It's like, it's like but, but you know, I can only talk, I can only talk about stuff, but, but you, you are the only one, you are the only one who can have an intimate relationship with Jesus that is ultimately personal. So I need you to see this. If you want to participate and have fellowship and communion in God, you have to. The way it's going to happen is through no more. You can't get enough degrees. You can go to seminary. You can study the rest of your life. You can get all the information you want to. But if you don't have a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus, you won't be able to lay hold of it. It's only only going to come through an intimate relationship with God. And so he says, grace and peace is multiplied to you. That's pretty powerful. You think grace is enough? Well, grace and peace is going to be multiplied to you in what? In this kind of knowledge with God. And that isn't where he stops it because then in verse, the next verse 3 in Second Peter, he says, His divine, divine, his divine power has, past tense, yes. His divine power, oh, so you can change versions. We don't have to stay in the old English right here. He says, His divine hath given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. It is a past tense. This is God's word, people. So we can look at it, and what we do have a tendency to do with our information hungry brains is we just think, oh, we'll just get, just get information, and then I'll, I'll judge the information, and I'll say, oh, well, there you go. I don't have it, so therefore the Bible is a lie. Because this is it. But rather than seeing, oh, my heart, God, wait a second. This is information rich. This, this is what he says. His divine power has granted to us all things pertaining to life. Everything given to life has been given to us and godliness through the what? Epignosis again. This intimate, personal, highly detailed information knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. And then it goes on to say how he has granted to us... Um, his precious and very great promises, so that through them, so in verse 4, so that through them, those promises, you may become partakers of the divine nature. You want to know what the word partakers means? Any guess what the word partakers, what, what Greek word I'm going to pull out here? Koinonia. It's going to use, that may become partakers. You're going to have koinonia or with the divine nature. You're going to, so, okay. So I've, I've given you Philemon 1, 6. You can go and unpack that at yourself. But I'm going to jump over to Isaiah chapter 40. Um, a well-known passage, verse 28 of Isaiah 40. Have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. Now listen to, listen to the language here. It sounds very exchange-like, right? He says he gives power to the faint, and to, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and grow weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Now, let me tell you, if you go and pick out that word, I'm going to start backwards, they shall renew their strength. That word in, in Hebrew, that word is, means to change, substitute, to change for the better. Yeah. 
That's what the word that they've used for, uh, for renew. So it's kind of like the word, they shall exchange their strength, change for the better. And then he says, those who wait upon the Lord. Now, we've touched on this word a couple of times. You, you have, don't do yourself the, the, the disfavor of, of, of listening only to English. Remember, the word of God, our Bibles were written in Hebrew and they were written in Greek and Aramaic. So we have to sometimes gather a bit of understanding and sometimes we have to look a little deeper. So this word kava um, is, is, or kava, I don't know how you pronounce it in Hebrew exactly, but it's not this kind of waiting. I wonder when God's going to show up. I'm here waiting for God. I'm tarrying for the Holy Spirit or whatever. I'm waiting on God and God's the one who's late to the party. I am here and I am just waiting on God. That is not what the word means. It literally goes and means you can go and pull it up in your, in your concordances and everything else. It means to bind together, to bind together by twisting. To bind together by twisting. To weave. What do you call it? To when you braid. It's to bind together. If you bind something together by twisting, it's not, it's not exactly the same part of that, end of that tree. Like take a big old tree. You see a tree with a vine or mistletoe, whatever the case is. You see these vines that wrap themselves around the tree. That thing, that is what, that's what the image is. You, you, twi- you, get in t- you get twisted around so that you, that vine is not relying on its own strength. It's relying on the strength of the tree. It's getting its nutrients from the tree. It's getting everything. Why do you think Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches? So this weight upon the Lord has got to do with, with identifying and, and seeing and, and, and weaving ourselves in this intimacy. Remember, union. But you know, we, we're so fleshly governed. We're so governed by our five senses. We, listen, we, li- we, don't, we don't want to believe that God's truth supersedes everything we can see, hear, or touch. But it does. His truth is forever settled in heaven, it says in Psalm 119.89. Forever, not just in this age, His word is forever settled in heaven. We have got to get to the place where we understand His word is above His name. His word is ultimate truth. You aren't the judge of His word. You don't get, you're not, you're, not, you're not God to be able to judge. God is unchanging and unfailing. He is the one that is, is firm and steadfast and true to his name, true to his covenant, unchanging in all his ways. In James, it says that there's not even a shadow of turning with him. He lives in unapproachable light. So when we say, hold on a second, I'm doubting me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to adopt the, the humble position, and I'm gonna, that's the teachable position, and I'm going to... I'm going to rethink this and I'm going to extract, I'm going to extract from God. I'm going, to, I'm going to be the one that's going to conform. I'm going to wrap myself around Him. Amen. There's so many beautiful things to do that. So in, in, in Scripture, in, in, I'm trying to remember, um, I, I, I want to just go back to this. Let me just pull it up here quickly. In both um, Ephesians, I'm going to, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 22 and he says this, um, remember we, in Romans, 
I'm just going to reference Romans uh, chapter 6 where we were talking in verse 6 where he says, Our old self was crucified. Now in Ephesians 4 verse 22, he says this, Put off your old self. Now he's telling the Ephesians. He's telling them something. He says, Put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through its deceitful desires and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and... and oh, is, holy, I lost at my place. <laughs> I looked up here. <laughs> righteousness and true holiness in verse 24. Yeah, up to... So 22 to 24. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on your new self. But you see this. He tells the Ephesians. He's writing to the Ephesians who are born again believers, right? And he says, now guys, you have got to put off your old man. You have got to renew your mind. And you've got to put on the new man. Well, look, it says, which is created in the likeness of God and in true righteousness and holiness. In, in Colossians 3 verse 5, it's very, very similar language. He says, put to death, therefore, what is ever in your, in, in your, earthly, uh, in your earthly in you. And I'm going to jump down to uh, verse 9. Um, Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practice and put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of its creator. So this process, this process of put off, renew your mind, and put on the new self. I, I want you to realize something. We, uh, this is what it's going to look like. These passages of Scripture, you, you, you have to, we have to make one a choice that, what do I believe? What truth do I believe? Do I believe that these things are true? And I, and I do understand that you're going to have to go back and look through these scriptures and decide for yourself. But if you want to participate in this resurrection, if you want to participate in this life, if you want to extract that which is... Remember, you have been made a new creature. So how do you let that new creature come out? And, and I'm going to give you just in a nutshell here. You have got to, one, <laughs> once you've decided this is what my new nature looks like, it's going to be in intimacy. Right. You have got to set time aside. There's no other way. You cannot set time aside with you and your children or you and your wife. This is something, or, or husband, this is only something that you can do. There is nothing else that you can do. You have got to know God for yourself. There is no shortcut. You could pay us a million dollars and I would gladly accept it so we can do our children's building. But it's not going to do anything. You can't pay papal indulgences. You can't go to enough Bible school. You can't get enough books. You can't, there's nothing you can, you've got to sit down with Jesus. So when you sit down with Jesus and you've got your Bible open and you go to these scriptures and you say, okay, God, show me the truth. The, the, God has given us tools of meditation, right? Now, we've spoken about meditation before. Meditation is not getting lotus position. It's, 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 you, everybody meditates all day long. You choose, you just, most, of the, most of us don't even get to choose what we meditate on because we are burned up because this person did it. We're burned up because Biden's doing this. We're burned up because Trump said this. We're, burned, we're thinking and processing. We're meditating. We're creating fear. 
We're allowing our fears to dominate our thoughts. We allow our anger to dominate our thoughts. We, we are all meditating. We're chewing on something. But you can pick what you choose. What you, what you, you know how I know? Because if you have the Spirit of God inside you, according to Galatians 5, you have the fruit of the Spirit. It doesn't say the fruit of you. It says the fruit of the Spirit. And one of those fruit of the Spirit is the Spirit of you've got self-control. You who says you don't have, you who say you've got no self-control, you're lying. You're lying to yourself and you're believing a lie. You have a spirit of self-control. You've got to choose to believe. Oh, you know what? I do have love, joy, peace, patience. And you've got to take each one of those. Each one of those, you've got to say, this is the new me. You have to send away those things that you, you've got. Your imagination is so powerful. Your way you meditate is so powerful. Because what you've got to do when you participate, I've read so many scriptures in this last series. When you participate in the death of Christ, I've given you all the foundations now. You've got to be in your mind's eye, being quiet with it, in your intimate relationship with God. It's great over communion when you've got bread. But you, what you've got to see is you've got to see Jesus on the cross. You've in your mind's eye, you've got to see Jesus on the cross. And you've got to realize that he exchanged. Like we said, he reconciled. He took your sin and we took his righteousness. So you've got to see that sin that you're struggling with. Or that lack. That sickness. That disease. That emotional issue. You've got to be able to see every sin of the world, which we know is true. You've got to see that. That your sin. Not somebody else's sin. Yours. You've got to see that, Jesus, that you've got to, in your mind's eye, you've got to put it on Jesus. Then you've got to see Jesus dying with all of your sin. That specific sin. You've got to see him going to hell with your sin. And defeating it, overcoming it, and then being raised victorious over that sin. Because that is the in Christ truth. Then I've got to, say, I've got to see I am. This is the righteousness that I am. I am one with him. I am in union with him. I am everything. That's why it says every promise is yes and amen in Christ. Every, he, paid, he took the curse for every. He took all the, the, the curses for us. Yes, he did. Man. But you see, but you see that takes time. And it takes intentionality. Because if we just say, oh, I've got the information. I know that. It should be working. It doesn't work like that. Your heart doesn't work like that. That's why we don't have time for religious games. We can play religious games. We can play them till the day we die. We've done it since the dark ages. It doesn't work. You can jump up and down and light candles and kneel and crawl over glass and whatever you want to get yourself physically nailed to a cross. I'm sorry, that doesn't even help. Seriously. There's people that have physically nailed themselves to crosses. I'm going to die to self. That doesn't do anything. Jesus died once for the cross. It's not the dying to self that we spoke about. The dying daily to self is this process. Die to Jesus said, unless you die to self, you can have no part of me. You can't, he says, unless you let go of, you've got to be able to put off the old man, 
Renew your mind. Get it all washed and scrubbed. Inside, think differently. You're the one that has to think differently and you've got to be and put on the new man. That is who I am. Understand this. This is not an imagination game of, uh, I'm going to pretend that I come a new man. That's not what he's saying. This is about aligning my belief with the truth. I'm aligning my heart with the truth of who I am in Christ. I'm aligning myself. Every process, only New Testament, the only New Testament process that we can, to pro, to, it doesn't matter what you do, it doesn't matter what addiction you have, I'm telling you. There is, this is the way to victory. And this is not just playing mental games. This has got to do with you in your relationship with Jesus. It is pretty simple. But we've had to lay a big foundation for this. And I can tell you, it takes time. I, I, I just pray that your, that your heart, like Paul said, that's what he was saying in Ephesians when he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart are enlightened, that they may be flooded with light so that you may know, that you may have the spirit of wisdom and revelation. This is what he's talking about, that you can grasp that, that you can see these truths, that you can see. Because I had, there, if you go in your Bible, you just see crucified with Christ or how many times it talks about this process. But you know why it's foreign to our ears? Because we don't hear it. We don't hear it. But it's the only process for having a revolutionary. And I'm telling you, Jesus said this. You've heard me say it in the series. The works that I've done, you will do. And even greater. And if you think, well, I just want to be, I just want to get fame and fortune. I want to be like a big name speaker. You've got the wrong motive. It's not about being a new Smith Wigglesworth. It's about being you. God called you for a purpose. God called you for a kingdom purpose. And there is such ultimate satisfaction in that relationship and in that process and in that growth process because it is a step-by-step process. You don't just arrive tomorrow. You don't get there tomorrow. You start and you walk and it will process from glory to glory. His view and opinion, which is reality, to more of his view and opinion, which is reality. And as you lay that foundation, you see more of his view and opinion. But you are the one going from glory to glory to glory. If you are willing. Nobody can walk that journey for you. And here's me just pointing the way. Because I've, I've got to walk that journey. I have to walk that journey. And you know what? <laughs> I, I can fall, I can slip, I can do this, I can take an exit from the highway, I can sit at the gas station or, or at the 7-Eleven on the side of that road and just sit there until I die. You do, it's participation by choice. You can have as much of the life of God as you want. But there is a labor not to replicate what Jesus did, not to earn from God. It's to realize these are the things, like 2 Peter 1 says, these are the things that have been given. We have been given everything, everything, everything for life and godliness. Everything. The only process, put off the old man, renew your mind, 
and put on them. You have to allow this process. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for your goodness and faithfulness. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you confirm your word in our hearts. Thank you for peace. Thank you for life. Lord, you say we can lay hold of your words. Your, your words are spirit and are life. And so the choice to you, my brother and sister, is just very simple. Will you? Will, will you embrace his word? Will, will you allow him who loves you without end? Will you let him love you? Will you let him walk with you? Because he says he'll show you how to take a real rest. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is not difficult, but it is intentional. It's a process of getting to know him and allowing your heart and belief system to be conformed and aligned, if you will, with truth. To see things the way he sees things. It starts with a simple decision, just like when you were born again. If you're not born again, great place to start, just asking Jesus, just asking him for help. But we all need the Spirit's help. He is the teacher of the church. He is going to lead you and guide you. You heard Miss Kathy's word, go left when he goes, says left. It's just a simple choice. Lord, we choose that. Father, we know that we're alive for such a time as this. And Father, there's callings within your calling here. Callings, Father, for this kingdom, for this light and life to go out from us to others, to touch others, to heal others, to bring others into your knowledge, to make disciples of every person in the world, to love others as you have loved them and so father we just commit ourselves into your hands we commit ourselves into this purpose and plan thank you for your life thank you for your life in jesus name thank you father for your life amen amen i um i i know this this series was real different and I, and I honestly feel that there is so much, there's so many roots that you can go and dig out but, but I tell you it's like I said Mark, in Mark 4, the thought the measure of thought and study, the amount that you're going to take his word and study it and allow it to work in you is the amount of life and virtue that you're going to get out of it, amen so you choose amen amen, hallelujah well, as always, we have awesome prayer ministers here um, that know how to pray. Um, so we, we want you to, if you're here and you want to speak to a prayer minister, please come to the front and, and talk to them. They are here before the service as well, and they love to pray. And, and I know we have a bunch of people in the, in the auditorium that are just brothers and sisters who love to minister to one another. Um, remember, um, Healing You um, has, we are meeting today at 5 p.m., and I know we've had a couple of technical glitches that we're working through, and um, we'll, we believe we'll take care of that. But so 
5 p.m. today in the cafe. It's a great way to keep your heart aligned with truth, in, particularly in the realm of healing and ministering healing to others. Amen. Amen. Well, if there's anything else, we're good.